Hello and welcome to Commercial Real Estate Views with NAOP Pittsburgh Developing Leaders with your podcast host, Clayton Morris, NAOP Pittsburgh Podcast Committee Lead and Asset Manager at Sampson Morris Group. This year's podcast series is sponsored by the law firm of Bernstein Berkeley, serving the Pittsburgh business community for more than 50 years. Remember to subscribe to Commercial Real Estate Views with Nayop Pittsburgh on your favorite podcast platform. And now your host, Clayton Morris. Hey everyone, it's Clayton Morris. I'm here with Matteo Villa. Uh, Matteo, thank you for joining us today. Uh, why don't you describe your educational background, what you do, and uh, we'll go from there. Sure, Clayton. Thanks so much for having me. So my current role is with the CBRE Industrial Logistics team here in Pittsburgh. Uh, grew up all over the country, actually born in South America, attended Allegheny College about two hours north of here. And I am in Pittsburgh uh, because my wife is a Pittsburgh native. I think that's pretty standard for a lot of uh, uh, Pittsburgh immigrants. But uh, I got into real estate because I had a business development role with a facility services company and have a bad habit of talking to strangers. Uh, started talking to my now current partner at a treadmill on a gym. They were looking to add someone to their team. And, uh, you know, I'll be forever grateful that they took a shot uh, on someone with no real estate experience and just a desire to get into it uh, and brought me onto the team. Well, well, Mateo, as another Allegheny grad, uh, any Allegheny student walking on a treadmill next to you should be hired. So, <laughs> so that it was an easy decision, I'm sure. Uh, you sure have made a name for yourself in the industry, uh, especially in the industrial side. Uh, and industrial has been hot. Do you want to explain why industrial has been so hot, especially through COVID? Yeah, so I think obviously industrial has gotten a lot of national attention. I mean, if you read the Wall Street Journal or real estate industry publications, you know, it's a little bit of the darling uh, asset class nationally. I would say that that has been most pronounced in some of the large traditional core distribution markets. So, you know, in relation to Pittsburgh, that would be Harrisburg, the Lehigh Valley, Northeast PA, and those are large distribution markets primarily serving the East Coast, the tri-state area, New York City, Philadelphia, and south on uh, 95 and then to our west columbus and indianapolis have been significant distribution hubs pittsburgh traditionally and and now has been more of a local distribution market where a lot of the industrial has been either manufacturing which we have a strong history in uh, flex obviously something that the samson morris group and, and your team is very familiar with and then distribution specifically focused on either supporting uh, local manufacturing or getting goods to local rooftops and local businesses. Uh, so we have relatively fewer uh, large scale distribution uh, assets that are you know, shipping products to a wide variety of markets. Ours is very focused on uh, often on our MSA. So while you know, the, the, the national distribution market has exploded. Pittsburgh has definitely seen a, an impact of that, but perhaps a little bit more muted. Uh, to your question regarding 
what has driven that, particularly over the course of the pandemic, uh, e-commerce became you know default for many people uh, with store closures and the inability to to go out and shop, and that really has changed some consumer habits in some ways. And the the prevalence of ordering online, uh, home delivery has necessitated a pretty big ramp up in distribution space, uh, which obviously has impacted the industrial market. So so COVID, work from home, stay at home, no shopping has forced e-commerce to grow. Would you say that has spiked the demand for industrial and it's going to come back down and normalize once shops are and shopping is able to resume? Or do you think the demand for industrial and the uh, uh, the amount of space occupied in industrial distribution will uh, continue to grow? So we we expect that industrial demand is going to continue to grow despite a spike in consumer activity in e-commerce. It still holds a relatively limited wallet share for consumers. I mean, people are still going to stores. I think the interesting thing that you'll see is uh, a, a little bit of a different shopping experience, uh, more of an omni-channel approach where you may go to, you know, for example, Dick's Sporting Goods, try on, you know, a couple pairs of shoes, try on some Under Armour uh, clothing, and you very well may order that from Dick's Sporting Goods, but maybe they don't have the color you have in stock or you want to think about it. And, you know, Dick's Sporting Goods will use their distribution network and their store network uh, in tandem to enable e-commerce. What I saw uh, as stores shifted to kind of more of these distribution centers uh, was was this unique shift of uh, the store being the shipping hub uh, and kind of blurring the lines, especially on the department store side of, is this a, a retail store or is this an industrial store or an industrial like kind of pick up shipping location? Uh, is, is, do you think that's going to push industrial more towards retail centers as they're doing support for for stores, or do you think industrial is going to kind of remain out uh, at major intersections? So there, <clears throat> there's certainly room for both. Uh, you know, there are some facilities that where where project product originates uh, that I think will continue to be in more outlying markets, but consumer expectations increasingly are that they get something in one to two days in some major markets there are instances of your ability to get something within hours and the only way that happens is either a delivery from store model or industrial in infill locations very near the population uh, you know i I, <clears throat> I think that there's a lot of concern about you know risks to retail and the death of retail, I would say that that's, in my mind, largely overblown. Certainly that sector is going to experience some challenges, but one of the you know most important competitive advantages that some of these retailers have is you could say their stores are some of the best located infill distribution centers uh, out there. They have the best site and it's closest to the population. Uh, and if that can be leveraged effectively, 
you know, that that becomes a competitive advantage for for some of those retailers. As it relates to industrial, I think you will see continued demand for infill sites close to population uh, because that's the only way you can deliver on consumer expectations. Time for a sponsor break. The NAOP Pittsburgh Developing Leaders podcast is sponsored by Bernstein Berkeley, Attorneys at Law, a business approach to legal service for more than 50 years. Whether it's bankruptcy and restructuring, commercial real estate, or property tax assessments, Bernstein Berkeley creates partnerships that provide clients with peace of mind through expert service and zealous representation with offices in Pittsburgh, Wheeling, and Cleveland. Visit Bernstein Berkeley at BernsteinLaw.com or call 412-456-8100 for more information. Yes, and, and, and earlier you mentioned that Pittsburgh, we, we don't have, uh, we're not a major distribution hub for uh, long distance distribution, I guess, uh, you, was just another way of saying it. Uh, but rather more localized. Is that uh, based on a historic legacy? Is that based on geography? Is that based on economic reasons? Are we just not in the right location for these large distribution centers? Why, why don't we see a lot of these? Why do we see more infill? So the there, there, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, one of the one of the big drivers in Eastern PA specifically is just the proximity to an enormous amount of population. But if you look at Pittsburgh on a logistics map, it actually reaches a really high percentage of the US population within a one day truck trip. The the challenge for Pittsburgh is, you know, if, if and, and Clayton, you and your team have, you know, identified sites, land sites for construction, uh, identified value added opportunities for, for years, there just aren't that many sites that can cost effectively accommodate sizable distribution. So certainly the the topography of Pittsburgh provides its challenges. The other thing, if you think about it, you know, we don't have another major population center uh, immediately adjacent to us. So, you know, for example, on the East Coast, you can kind of string together a, a lot of population relatively in a relatively condensed manner, same as you know, similar to some of the cities on the West Coast. From Pittsburgh, it's a little bit of a jump to a major population center in Cleveland, Columbus, Harrisburg. Uh, you know, Youngstown is is not that far away, but it's not certainly not a, a, a large city. What'll be interesting to see is as Morgantown's population continues to grow, how that impacts uh, industrial demand for servicing that market as well. Yeah, you can get a, there's some nice plots for it now between Morgantown and Pittsburgh on the 79 corridor that are uh, ripe for some uh, industrial distribution if that continues to grow. Uh, you've mentioned infill a lot. Do you want to uh, fill in some of our non-industrial or non-actual, uh, maybe less active members on what infill means? Sure. So, you know, infill, infill you can have a lot of definitions. I mean, generally, if if you're marketing a site that is anywhere closer than Mercer County, uh, you probably want to try to call it infill. Uh, but in, in all seriousness, you know, if you think about infill sites, it's closer to Point State Park 
than a lot of population. So centrally located in a, in, a, in a location where you can get to a lot of rooftops or a lot of business customers quickly. You know, Clayton, a, a project that you're obviously very familiar with, 79 North Industrial yeah. Park, where, where uh, you own an asset uh, and, and the other buildings where our team works as the uh, leasing agent is an example of where folks servicing contractors, so HVAC distribution, um, you know, garage door provider. It's an easy on and off in, on, on I-79. And then obviously, you know, e-commerce and last mile users because it's easy on and off the highway and in close proximity to uh, a lot of rooftops. Similarly, Leedsdale Industrial Park, where you see appliance home delivery, third-party logistics companies. Uh, all of those are located in those locations because they can get product in overnight from a facility perhaps in Harrisburg or Columbus or New Jersey. It sits on the floor for a relatively short period of time, you know, sometimes even only hours, and goes directly into trucks out to uh, people's porches. So, so you mentioned some important things that I look for when we're looking for acquisitions is, is the obviously real estate location, 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 but near, uh, near an interchange, on off access and, and uh, uh, proximity to rooftops. So uh, beyond that, say someone's looking to buy a site for value add or a, or a new construction industrial, what are some other important things? What, how would you design a, your perfect industrial building? Uh, what, what does it look like and where does it look like? So, you know, our, our team in particular, we have a little bit of a, a soft spot for some heavier industrial assets. Uh, so in, in my mind, sometimes the perfect building is a, you know, 45 foot clear former steel mill that uh, uh, someone can do fabrication and manufacturing in. But from a, from a redevelopment or new development standpoint, uh, you know, if you can see a couple of the buildings in the Pittsburgh skyline from the site, that's usually a pretty good sign that you're in a, in a good location. Uh, and then, you know, these projects are increasingly taking up more space. So the, the bigger the site you can create, the better, particularly last mile delivery space, there's going to be a, a, a high demand for parking. So in some cases you're seeing these buildings get smaller because like we talked about, there isn't a significant amount of product staying there for any notable period of time. It's more of a location for incoming product to be removed from a truck and sorted into delivery routes and onto delivery vehicles. And those delivery vehicles need a place to park. Uh, so you're, you, you really need to find sites that can accommodate that delivery vehicle presence. So just so some of our listeners know, like an office building will have about five parking spots per thousand square feet, or that's the demand it may not be built to that. A call center, which is a high use, might have seven or eight per thousand. A typical warehouse might have one or two per thousand. What are these distribution centers looking for now? The last mile guys. Yeah. Recently, I mean, it, you know, a, a industrial building constructed in the Pittsburgh market of 100,000 square feet would target a parking ratio of, like you said, one 
parking space per thousand square feet. So, you know, a hundred thousand square foot building would have a hundred parking spaces. We are seeing requirements for two per thousand, three per thousand. There are even examples of, of projects being developed now in the market where the parking demands are north of six or seven wow. places per thousand. So, you know, it, it, it actually, in some cases, can be higher parking ratio than an office or a retail building. Yeah, and if you have it and that company needs it, uh, it doesn't really exist in the market. Uh, Pittsburgh tends to have low parking uh, counts because of our topography. So it's awesome if you can build it. Yeah, and I think, you know, the 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 thing that we get excited about as industrial professionals in Pittsburgh is there are challenges and hurdles to this market and it's fragmented. The topography is tough. There are a lot of different municipalities that, you know, navigating the code and zoning and everything in all those municipalities needs local expertise. And, and we always say, you know, some of these assignments are tough, but if they were easy, nobody would need us to help them. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it can be a long day sometimes when you're trying to find something for a client that doesn't exist. Uh, but it's pretty darn rewarding uh, when you are be able to work with a client, be creative, and deliver the solution that they need. Well, Mateo, there's nothing I like more than delivering solutions. So if you have a trouble troublesome client, let me know, okay? <laughs> You're always my first call, Clayton. That's what I like to hear. Um, uh, all right. So so the role of the broker has changed. You mentioned something uh, in, in that last statement where, where you're actually where you're doing a lot of assisting. A lot of people think brokers just go and help. Oh, here's your building or here's five buildings they tour and then you negotiate the lease and you're done. Uh, I'm finding brokers doing a lot more than that, even letting the company know what they need. Uh, would you say that's true on the industrial side? Yeah, I think that, you know, with the amount of information available, uh, at, at our fingertips, either on a phone or a computer screen, it's really not that hard for someone to go find, you know, four or five buildings that they can go tour. Uh, I think our role becomes much more consultative, uh, you know, with, with an iPhone and an Uber driver, you can do what some brokers did maybe 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's incumbent upon us and our peers to be to to raise our game to a higher level, be strategic advisors, really understand the client's business needs, and be able to deliver a solution that meets them. Uh, you know, we 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 often get pretty hung up on you know buildings or space or square footage, but I I often share with clients that you know the real estate is much less important. It's, are we delivering a solution for your business uh, that, that meets your needs? Yeah, and, and, and very consultative, as you said. Uh, and oftentimes I find the broker knows what the client wants before they do, because they've been through it and they know what the market has to offer and they know how to fix the problem. And that's where experience, especially in a unique market like Pittsburgh is huge. All right, Mateo, you've really informed uh, the listeners about Pittsburgh's local industrial market. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add? No, just that we really appreciate the interest in in what we are doing on a day to day basis in industrial logistics. Uh, you know, we joke that nobody used to like the guys with the the muddy boots 
uh, in industrial and and we appreciate you know everyone's interest in what we're doing on a day-to-day basis and you know if, if there are sites out there uh, that people you know are kind of scratching their head and say hey could this be a good opportunity for industrial redevelopment let's talk about it i mean the more the merrier uh, we welcome you know we welcome everybody into our industrial world and we really look forward to the opportunity to work with a lot uh, of different people as as interest grows in this asset class awesome thank you and and thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast uh, you really enlightened everyone on industrial the the buzzword of the year and uh, i hope to see you soon mateo thanks so much clayton i really appreciate you having me on Commercial Real Estate Views with NAOP Pittsburgh Developing Leaders podcast is brought to you by Bernstein Berkeley, Attorneys at Law. This episode and all episodes are available on all major podcasting services. Please subscribe to be alerted when new episodes drop.